Well, this morning we're going to begin a uh, two-week series uh, entitled A Case for Christ. And we want to go ahead and encourage you, if you haven't already, to mark your calendars. Next Sunday night at 6.30, we're going to be having a special movie night here at the church. Uh, and we're going to be showing the movie The Case for Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today uh, and next Sunday, actually. And then next Sunday night during the movie for the adults, we're going to have a movie called... Um, the Lost Medallion. My mind went blank there for just a second for our kids. It's so going to be a great night. Dinner and a movie, lots of fun. Not dinner and a movie, movie and popcorn. How about that? <laughs> Chris, you're going to have to make steaks for everybody. I messed up. So, uh, popcorn and a movie, not dinner and a movie, popcorn and a movie. Uh, but it's going to be a great night. And so, uh, we're going to begin this morning kind of just laying the foundation. And we're going to talk today uh, kind of about what we're calling sticking points. And we're going to talk about those things that many times cause us to get stuck. All of us, uh, probably have maybe in times in our lives uh, we've gotten spiritually stuck. We've gotten to a place where maybe we went as far as we could go and we really needed a breakthrough to go to the next level. Or maybe you know somebody this morning uh, that maybe is on the outside or the outer fringe of the church or the outer fringe of Christianity uh, and they've kind of gotten stuck and they need some help kind of to press them through. And so that really is our heartbeat. Our prayer this morning for this message and for next Sunday uh, is that God will do two things. Number one, if you're stuck this morning in a place where you need a spiritual breakthrough, that God's going to push you through that sticking point. And then if you're here today and uh, you know somebody that's stuck, right? Because as we intermingle in the world, uh, we got friends, family, coworkers, right, that we meet every day. And many times we meet people that have become spiritually stuck. They've kind of hit a wall uh, in their pursuit of Christ and Christianity, and they need somebody to come alongside them and help them kind of break through. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. How do we break through those sticking points personally, and how do we share those corporately with other people uh, so that we can continue to press in really to what God has? Uh, if you're familiar with the story or the, the, the movie or the book, The Case for Christ, it's a story about an atheist by the name of Lee Strobel, uh, and Lee Strobel's wife gets saved. She comes to a Christian meeting, hears the gospel, accepts Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, his family is kind of turned upside down. And in, in, in this confrontation with now Christianity being brought into his home, Lee Strobel sets out to disprove the case for Christ. He wants to undermine the reality uh, that what his wife has now put her faith in is not real and not genuine and not true. And so he sets out on what will be a two-year journey. You're going to see in just a second, we're going to go show a short clip as you already saw, uh, but you're going to see the movie is set back several years ago before the internet, right? And all you young people trying to figure out what the world without internet might have looked like. Well, it was a little bit different, but before the internet, uh, he began to uh, evaluate Christianity. And so he didn't have Google, he didn't have all those things with thousands of websites out there to get information off, so, off of. So it literally took him two years, a two-year journey of reading, researching, and interviewing experts from all fields and arenas of life so he could come to a real conclusion about who Jesus Christ really is. And in the beginning of that journey, we're going to watch a clip here together in just a second. He has just been experienced, his wife coming to Christ. He's frustrated. He knows just enough about Jesus to be frustrated. And uh, he's at this place where he's frustrated about Christianity. He's frustrated about what's happening with his wife and now in his family. Uh, and he has a friend, a coworker, that kind of challenges him, meets him in that sticking point, and kind of pushes him through to that next level. So let's kind of watch this together. 
What are you doing here? I thought you were banished. <laughs> hey. What's the matter? You people and your God, you just, you know, you talk in circles. You offer, you offer just enough evidence, but never enough to be conclusive. Then you fill in all the gaps with, oh, well, yeah, you just got to have faith. It's a bunch of nonsense. You're really irritating. You know that? Mm. Don't start with me, Kenny. You don't waste a lick of time bragging to all of us how great a reporter you are. So why can't you put up or shut up on this story? What are you even talking about? Here's where the chili meets the cheese, my friend. One of my heroes was C.S. Lewis, a man who began as a skeptic, much like yourself. At the end of his journey, you know what he said? He said, if Christianity is false, it's of zero importance. But if it's true, there's nothing more important in the entire universe. So you want your wife back? Well, hey, guess what? People in hell want ice water. Not everybody gets everything they want. Stop blaming me and the church and God and do your job. Stack up the evidence, follow the facts, and write the story, win or lose. So this morning, we're going to uh, kind of do our due diligence today, and we're going to take that same challenge, and we're going to kind of press into this thing called Christianity, and we're going to talk about some sticking points today, and how do we overcome those, and how do we break through to a real conclusion of who Jesus really is and how Christianity really does impact our life. Acts chapter 8 is the story uh, we want to start with out of, the, out of the Word of God. Acts 8, the Bible says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. How can I unless someone instructs me? Here's a simple thought I want to share with us today. When we get to a spiritual sticking point, most of the time we need someone else to come alongside us to help us break through. Just like the Ethiopian, think about this story. He had been to Jerusalem to worship. He was now on his way home. He was reading the book of Isaiah, but yet he did not really understand what he was reading. He was, he was an Ethiopian, but he was curious in Jewish culture. He was curious about the God of the Jews. Therefore, he went to Jerusalem to worship. And now on his way home, he's reading what we would consider to be the Bible, the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he doesn't understand what he's reading. And here comes Philip the evangelist by the Holy Spirit and Philip steps into his life and all of a sudden Philip helps him break through. Right? He helps him get through this sticking point of, of, of under desiring to worship, being curious about God, but yet not knowing what to do with his faith or with his curiosity. Let me just interject a simple thought here today because I think one of the biggest challenges we have many times in our Christian lives is that sometimes we misinterpret curiosity and sometimes even a offense or a questioning of our faith, and we push people away. 
Whenever you experience somebody that is asking questions about God, about the Bible, about Christianity, about heaven, about hell, you need to understand something. You need to understand the fact that they are curious about spiritual things is evidence that God is at work in their life. Right? And sometimes they come across offensive, and sometimes it seems like they're challenging what you believe or what you think. But understand this, the fact that they're thinking about those things is evidence that God is at work. Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draw him. Right? There has to be a drawing. Man left to himself does not pursue God. Man left to himself pursues himself. Right? Man without God is a self-centered being that continually looks inward instead of looking upward. But when the Holy Spirit begins to work in a person's heart, all of a sudden there is, there is this creation of a spiritual curiosity that sometimes to us as Christians comes across a little offensive because now they're questioning what we believe and, well, why do you believe this and what do you think about that? And if we're not careful, we'll push those people away instead of draw those people in because you know what? They are spiritually stuck. And they need somebody like Philip to help them press through. Now, I know there are just some argumentative people out there, right? So we're not even going to talk about those folks. Those people exist. We all know who they are. You can recognize them 10 miles away. But there are other people in our lives that are genuinely curious about the things of God. And just because they're questioning what we believe or why we believe it does not mean we should push them away. It actually means we should draw them near because they are spiritually stuck and they need somebody to come alongside them and help them to break through. Because think about your own life. How many times have you been spiritually stuck, even as a Christian, right? Even as a Christian, we kind of get to that point, we kind of hit a wall. And you know what happens most of the time? For us to break through, somebody has to come alongside us. Somebody has to interject some truth, some revelation, some insight, some prayer, some anointing, some encouragement, whatever it might be. Somebody comes alongside you over your Christian journey, and they've helped you break through. How many know God wants you to be that person? God wants you to be that person like Philip that helps people break through to that next level. So let me give you a definition of a spiritual sticking point. It's right there on the screen. A spiritual sticking point is an issue, an objection, a question, or a concern that blocks a person's progress from spiritual breakthrough. So when you have, when a person has an issue, a question, an objection, or even a concern about Christianity, about the Bible, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, and when, that, when they have those issues in their heart, what happens is those issues, those questions, those concerns, even in us, right? become sticking points. And all of a sudden, instead of pressing through, we get held up in a place that God never intended us to stay. And so we're going to talk today about four sticking points, four that I believe are probably some of the most common, and we're going to talk about how do we break through those sticking points and come out on the other side. So let's look at our first one. So the first sticking point is simply this, I can't believe because... I can't believe because, you kind of fill in the blank there, I can't believe because, and when a person gets stuck at this I can't believe because place, what really has happened is we've allowed our opinions and our ideas about God 
to keep us from God. So let me just kind of give you uh, an example of what I'm talking about. So maybe you're here, maybe you're very, uh, maybe you're very academic minded, maybe you're very scientific minded, and you might be here today and you might say, well, Pastor Keith, you know what? I would love to believe the Bible. I'd love to believe what the scripture says about Jesus, about creation, but I can't believe the Bible because science disproves what the scripture says. Or I can't believe the Bible. I love this one. I can't believe the Bible because I saw something on the History Channel last week. And we all know, right, if it's on the History Channel, it's got to be true. And if it's on TV or the Internet, it's got to be true, right? We all know it's not true, right? Much of what we see in here is a person's opinion of truth, not actually actual truth. And what happens is, is sometimes intellectually, sometimes scientifically, we think that science and academia somehow undermines the evidence of God, when in reality, we're going to see a quote here in just a minute, when in reality, when you really begin to look at science, and you really begin to academically begin to evaluate the gospel of Jesus Christ, you find out that there is so much evidence pointing to the reality of Jesus and God and our Creator that it is beyond belief, I mean, it is, it is beyond excuse for us not to give our hearts fully and completely to that message. But there's another I can't believe because, and this is probably the most common one that I meet, and what happens is, is that someone goes through a traumatic event. They lose somebody that they love, somebody they love dies of cancer, there, there's, a, there's a traumatic trauma that takes place in their life, and they come to a place where they say, I can't believe because how could a good God allow this to happen? I can't believe because if God really loved me, then this wouldn't have taken place in my family. I can't believe because this tragedy or this setback or this heartache or this heartbreak took place in my life and in my family, and I was praying, and I was crying out to God, and nothing happened. I can't believe because this horrible thing happened, or maybe even as a Christian, maybe you've got stuck as a Christian because you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you've trusted Him, you've started following Him, but maybe along the way somehow your prayers didn't get answered, right? And I was praying, and I was crying out, and I was giving God my need, and giving God my need, and, and God somehow didn't answer my prayer, and I can't believe because my prayers weren't answered, because the way I thought God was going to work, He didn't work, and things didn't turn out the way I thought they were going to turn out, and so how can I believe in a God that doesn't love me enough to do the things I need Him to do? See, those are kind of some of the questions we ask. And those are the, I can't believe, because sticking points that catch people. But let me just, let me interject something to you right here, because here's, I believe, the, the, the root of this thing. What happens most of the time, most of the time when we get stuck here, it's because our opinions and our ideas keep us, our opinions and ideas about God keep us from God. And this is what happens. Most of our opinions and ideas about God are based on our perception and not necessarily based on truth. Now let me just bring it home, make it really natural. How many of you have ever met somebody for the first time, and the first time you met them, don't raise your hand, first time you met them, you thought, I don't like them. They're just weird, or they're rude, or they're sarcastic, or they're just stuck up, and I don't like that person, and I would never like to be around them, and I hope they don't even look at me no more. Now, I know 
I told 9.30 service, that must have been for the 11 o'clock service, but I don't know who it's for now. But anyway, right? I mean, you know, we, we, y'all ever had those thoughts, right? You meet somebody for the first time, and all of a sudden, you have a perception about who they are and whether you're going to like them and whether you agree with them and whether you want to be around them. And, and automatically, you judge them based on a moment in time that is totally disconnected from really who they are. And all of a sudden, you have a perception about that person that is not based on truth. And then here, this happens. Have you ever, have you ever had that person that you, you thought you wouldn't like, and because of circumstance or situation, you ended up having to spend time with them, and after a little time, you actually realized you liked them? They weren't as bad as you thought they were going to be. As a matter of fact, they were pretty cool. They might have become your best friend. You might have even married them. I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. And so the reality is simply this, when we, when we make opinions and ideas and judgments on people based off of our perception and not based off of truth, all of a sudden, we become disconnected from someone that we actually should have been connected to. And so that's what happens in this area. I'm convinced that 90% of the opinions and ideas that people have about God are based on their perception and not on truth. They perceive God as uncaring, and they perceive God as unkind, and they perceive that God doesn't care about them, and they perceive that because their prayers weren't answered and their sick person wasn't healed, then God must not be interested in their life, and He must not care about them, and He must not be good, and He must not be holy, and He must not be right, because if He was all those things and what I wanted to happen, what would happen? And we have all these perceptions about God that are no longer rooted in truth, and because of that, we end up pushing away from the God we should be drawing near to. And we get stuck in a place of spiritual disconnect instead of moving into a place of spiritual intimacy with God. So how do we overcome that? Let's look at that next point on your outline. So how do we get past the sticking point? Jared, right here it is. It says, so how do we move past the sticking point? We have to seek God wholeheartedly. This is what Lee Strobel did in the movie. We're going to see it next week. He actually decided, I'm going to take a wholehearted pursuit of this thing called Christianity, and I'm going to see what the facts end up being. What is really true about God? And he began to look in different facets of life, and he began to evaluate different arenas of life, and he began to honestly remove his prejudiceness and his preconceived ideas about God, and he actually began to look at the genuine evidence of who God was and what He wanted to do and what He came to do through His Son, Jesus. And all of a sudden, as we're going to see next week in the movie, He comes to the conclusion that Jesus is really who He says He is. Why? Because He was willing to take a wholehearted pursuit. And in that, in that little clip we saw a while ago, His friend made this statement, quoting from C.S. Lewis, if Christianity is nothing, then it doesn't matter. But if Christianity is what Christianity claims to be, then it is the most important thing in the universe. And if something has the potential to be the most important thing in the universe, shouldn't that demand enough of your attention, time, and effort to wholeheartedly pursue and see who God is, not based on perception, but on truth? Amen. I mean, just think about it. Don't we want people to give us the benefit of the doubt and actually get to know us before they judge us? Shouldn't we give God the same courtesy? Shouldn't we give God the same courtesy? You're judging a God you don't know based on a perception of things that have happened or not happened in your life, and now you find yourself spiritually stuck dying without Christ with no hope for a future? Why? Because you made a decision based on a perception that's not rooted in truth. So we have to wholeheartedly pursue God. Jeremiah 29, we know verse 11, right? But verse 13 and 14 are really good. It says, if you look for me, God says wholeheartedly, guess what he'll say? he says? You will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. God's not in heaven playing hide and seek. 
God sent his son Jesus to the earth, right? Jesus came to be the expressed image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've touched me, you've touched the Father. I am the exact replication of who God is. Jesus came to earth to manifest to humanity and remove the perceptions and the, and the ideas and the, theology and, the, and the opinions of people that were not based on truth and help us to see God in real light. God put skin on himself and modeled himself in humanity for 33 and a half years so we could know the heart of God. So God's not in heaven hiding. He came to earth to reveal himself. Why? Because he wants you and me to know him. Amen? So how do I experience God? The same way everybody else does. If you'll just take a wholehearted approach to God, you can get past the I can't believe because, because all of a sudden you'll realize your perception is not rooted in truth. Let me give you two quotes here from the book and the movie, uh, just some interesting things. James Chur, he's the head of the Nanoscience Center at Rice University. In first service, I said, I don't even know what nano means. And Forrest told me nano means billion. So nanoscience means that you evaluate anything to its billionth degree. So this guy's the head of nanoscience research at Rice University. So he is evaluating stuff to its billionth degree, molecule degree. This is what he says. I build molecules for a living. I can't begin to tell you how difficult that job is. I stand in awe of God because of what he has done through his creation. Look at the last part. Only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, it will bring you closer to God. Here's a guy that studies stuff to its billionth degree. And he says, the more you dissect society, the more you dissect uh, biology, the deeper you get into the depths of who we are, you realize that God is who God says he is and that he is real. The History Channel is wrong. Let me give you one more quote. Sir Lionel Sir Lionel was one of the leading attorneys of his day. He's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for winning more murder trials than anyone in history. And this is what he said. He evaluated not just the life of Jesus, he evaluated the resurrection of Jesus, the supernatural event that sets Jesus apart from all of other, all other uh, historical figures. And he evaluates the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from a legal mindset. And this is what he says. He says, I say unequivocally that the evidence the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Solve more, one more murder trials than anyone on the planet. One of the world's leading legal minds in his time. And he evaluated the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as if he was going to have to go to court and prove it before a jury. And he said, without a shadow of a doubt, the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is without question. It is undeniable. See, when you, when you really wholeheartedly begin to seek to know God, you begin to find out that God is who he says he is. Amen? And here's the great thing. He invites us to do that. God is not in heaven saying, oh, I hope they don't overturn that rock and find some evidence that disproves me. God is in heaven saying, turn over every rock because everything you find is going to reevaluate and reaffirm the proof that I am who I say I am. Let's look at that second sticking point. 
Second second point is simply this, I don't want to believe. Right? There are people out there that get stuck uh, because in reality what they do is they reject the gospel because they don't want to change. Right? I, I see this a lot as a pastor, right? We have people that come to church but they don't come to Christ. Right? And they come to church because it eases their conscience, and we want people to keep coming to church, and if it eases your conscience, that's a wonderful thing, and we want to get you in the seats because we believe if we can get you in the seats, the Holy Spirit can grab hold of your heart. But the reality is, is coming to church is a lot different than coming to Christ. Coming to church by itself does not have the capacity to transform you. Coming to Christ has the ability to transform your heart and your mind, your soul and your spirit, and ultimately your eternity. But what happens many times is people say, I don't want to believe. Now, we don't outright say that. Very few people do I meet on the streets of Arab, Alabama, just say, I don't want to believe in Jesus. No, very few people say that. But in reality, what I do see is I do see people that come to church and people that profess a Christianity but actually reject the gospel of Christianity because they don't want to change. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. John chapter 3, well, verse 16, John 3, 16, we're going to start there. God so loved the world so much, God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world or condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God didn't come to judge you, He came to save you. Amen. Look at the next part of this verse. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, speaking of Jesus, but anyone who does not believe in Jesus has already been judged, for he is not for not believing in God's one and only Son. Look at verse 19 and 20, last two verses. And the, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than they love light, for their actions were evil, and all who did evil, and all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Let me give you a quote by an atheist. I don't get to quote atheists very often. I'll give you a good atheist quote this morning. Atheist Alice uh, Huxley said this. He said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. By having meaning, he meant not wanting the world to have a creator. If there's no meaning in the world, there's no creator in the world. If there's no creator, there's no purpose. If there's no purpose, there's no plan. And if there's no plan and no purpose, then there are no moral standards. And he said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. I objected to morality because it interfered with my sexual freedom. Here's a self-professed atheist that says, you know what, the reason, one of the reasons I rejected Christianity is because I understood that with Christianity comes a form of morality. And if I accepted that there was a God and a creator and there was a purpose and there was a plan, then there had to be a right and there had to be a wrong and there had to be a standard by which I should be called to live my life. And he said, I rejected that mentality of God because I knew that it would compromise what he calls his sexual freedoms, what the Bible calls sexual perversion. And the reality is the same thing happens every day in our world, right? We see people that know the truth, understand the truth, but reject the truth. Why? Because they don't want to change the way they live their life. So how do we get unstuck from that? Look at our Next point on your outline, how do we get unstuck in this sticking point? When you meet somebody that doesn't want to change because they love their sin more than they love the Savior. So how do we move past this sticking point? I love this little, we, we logically count the cost. And I put the word logically there on purpose. We logically count the cost. Why? Because sometimes people think that because Christianity is a faith-based religion, right? It's about faith. You're saved by grace through faith. That some, for, some, for some reason we believe we have to check our brains at the door, Right? <laughs> But I want you to understand, Christianity doesn't encourage you to check your brain at the door. Christianity encourages you to employ your mind, your will, your heart, your spirit, everything that you have, to employ it, to engage it in knowing God and loving Him and serving Him. 
Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Christianity calls us to employ every facet of our ability in a pursuit of knowing God. Why? Because God is so big, so great, so grand, so awesome that if you'll, it'll take everything you got to begin to fathom the fullness of who he is. So we can logically just begin to count the costs. Pastor Rick does this. I learned this from him uh, many years ago when somebody comes in office and they're really struggling, they're holding on to their sin and they're holding on to this and their lives are falling apart. Pastor Rick always says, well, let me ask you a question. How's that life you're living working out for you? It's not, right? My marriage is falling apart. I'm broke. I'm homeless. I'm desperate. I have no peace. I have no joy. Why? Because we all understand to some degree, at least in this room today, that the wages of sin is death, right? Sin robs us, keeps us, separates us from what God has. So how do we overcome this sticking point? We just logically count the cost. We mentally challenge people. Here's a good challenge to somebody that you're trying to witness to that doesn't want to change. Ask them this question. Mentally carry out the current trajectory of your life. And then ask yourself, where are you going to end up? If you stay on the path you're on right now, if you just, let's just say, hey, you're going to do what you're going to do right now. You're going to live this way the rest of your life. Let's just take a moment and consider where that path is going to take us. Right? I'm holding on to my sin. I'm holding on to this thing that I don't want to let go of that I know is wrong, but I don't want to let go of it because I love it more than I love God. So let's just, let's just take a moment and let's logically think, if I stay on this path, where is it going to take me? Where is it going to take me relationally? Where is it going to take me financially? Where is it going to take me emotionally? Where is it going to take me spiritually? And ultimately, where is it going to take me eternally? Where am I going to end up if I stay on this path? Oh, well, Pastor Keith, I plan on changing before I die. <laughs> How many know that don't always work? So the, the, the logical thing is simply this, right? If we're logical people, I love talking to people that are logical. The logical thing is, let's just say you don't change. What's, where are you going to end up if you keep living the life you're living right now? Most people with a little half a brain can look at that and say, you know what, probably not in a good place. Probably not in a good place relationally, probably not in a good place financially, probably not in a good place emotionally, probably not in a good place spiritually, and probably not in a good place eternally. So let's flip the coin. So then what would happen? Look at the next point. So now let's compare that to what would happen if you followed Jesus. Let's compare the trajectory of your life right now on the path you're on, and let's change that trajectory and say, what would happen if I begin to follow Jesus? Well, let's see what would happen. I get to live a life with Jesus. I get to live a life filled with forgiveness, adventure, clean conscience, security, guidance, hope, fulfillment, relationships, comfort, peace of mind, love, joy, freedom from guilt and shame, power to overcome self-destructive habits, and at the end, I get eternal life. That's what God promises. Well, Pastor Keith, it's not that easy. You're right, but it's better than the alternative. Right? It's not always that easy, and there are challenges, and there are difficulties, but the reality is that's what Jesus offers versus the life that you're currently living on the path you're currently on. So just logically, let's think. How do we overcome that sticking point? I don't want to change. You just evaluate where you're going to end up if you stay on the path you're currently on. Look at number three, third sticking point. I don't know what to believe. Right? I don't know what to believe, right? And in this, in this sticking point, we allow what we don't understand to keep us from what is easily understood. And what do I mean by that? Well, 
I don't know what to believe comes from this reality that, that people say, well, Pastor Keith, you know, I, I just don't know what to believe. I mean, the Baptists believe this, the Methodists believe this, the Charismatic believe this, the Pentecostals believe this, and you got the Lutheran, you got the Presbyterian, you got the Catholics, and you got the Seven-day Adventists, and you got the Jehovah's Witnesses, and you got the Atheists and the Agnostic, and then you got the Humanists, and you got the Scientologists, and I just don't even know what to believe because everybody says something different. And then you say liberty is an interdenominational church. What does that even mean, right? I don't know what to believe. And so what happens is we get bombarded with all this information, all these different beliefs about God, the Bible, Christianity, eternal life, all these things. And what happens is, is we allow what we don't understand to keep us from what is easily understood. I'm going to give you two verses to explain the entire Bible to you. Okay, two verses. Here we go. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a crash course in the existence of humanity in our world today. Here it is. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to be a Christian. You can be atheist or agnostic and agree with this statement. Why? Because we all know we're all a little bit messed up. Right? There is nobody walking around saying we're all perfect and the world is a wonderful place. Nobody's walking around doing that. Anybody that looks in the mirror for more than two minutes realizes that we're all just a little bit messed up. The Bible calls that sin. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all a little bit messed up. Truth is, we're a lot messed up, but we'll just hang our hats on a little bit messed up to get people going with us, right? We're all a little bit messed up. Now, look at this next scripture. For the wages of sin is death. Now, again, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to, you can be atheist, agnostic to acknowledge that is true, right? Let's just talk. Let's just talk for a minute. So, you just ask the person, say, right, we're all, we're all sinners. We're all a little bit messed up. Now, let me ask you a very important question. What happens to your marriage if somebody has an affair? What happens to any relationship you're in if one person in that relationship begins to consistently tell lies? What happens if you begin to embezzle money from your company? What happens if you begin to consistently cheat on your income taxes? What happens if you, right, do any of the things that we all, everybody knows, all those things are wrong? It's wrong to lie, it's wrong to cheat, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to commit adultery. We all know that. You don't have to be a Christian, right? You don't have to, you don't have to acknowledge the Bible to believe that stuff. Everybody on the planet knows that if you consistently do the wrong thing, whatever they think that might be, bad things happen. Things die. Marriages die, relationships die, health dies, finances die, spiritually we die. Now, the last part is where it takes a little faith. The last part is where God steps into the equation of humanity. Look what he says. He says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the whole message of the Bible that everybody on planet Earth can understand. Here it is. We're all sinners. The wages of sin is death. Jesus sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so we can have life. Everybody on planet Earth can understand that. Now, they might reject it. They might turn away from it. But everybody on planet Earth can understand that simple message. There's nothing confusing or argumentative about that. The only thing you can argue about that is that God sent Jesus. Everybody else agrees on we're messed up. If we do the messed up thing, it produces death. Bad things happen. And we need hope. And we need a Savior. And we need a God. And the God of the universe is the God of the Bible who sent his son Jesus. So let me give you this. How do we get unstuck right here? Let me give it to you. So how do we move past this? Number one, you have to realize, you have to realize that you don't have to understand the whole Bible 
to understand the foundational message of the Bible. Right? You don't have to understand the whole Bible to understand that you're a sinner, sin brings death, and there's no hope without Jesus Christ. You don't have to be, you don't have to understand anything else out of the Bible other than that to be saved. Now let me make a statement to you. Nobody stoned me this morning, but I'm going to make a very bold statement to you today. I want you to hear this. The Bible is not the foundation stone of our faith. Jesus is the foundation stone of our faith. The Bible is foundational, but Jesus is the foundation stone of our faith. Well, Pastor Keith, how can you say that? I can say that boldly and confidently because for thousands of years the New Testament church didn't have a Bible. When you went to church in Acts chapter 2, they didn't say, everybody open your Bible. They didn't have one. But you know what happened for thousands of years without a Bible? People got saved. People got set free. People got healed. People got delivered. People followed Jesus. People followed God to the point that they laid down their lives and died for the cause of Jesus Christ. And they never owned a Bible because there wasn't a Bible to own. You don't have to understand the Bible to understand the message of the Bible, which is Jesus. First Corinthians, look at this, the Bible even tells us this. First Corinthians says, for no one can lay any foundation in the other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I'm the only way because I am the foundation stone. There is nothing apart from me. Let's, let's look at this next verse, Acts. I love this. Back to the original story we started with, with Philip. Philip crawls up in the chariot with the Ethiopian, and he's reading from the book, or from the, the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah 53 is actually what he's reading. Look what it says. Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at the scripture, and what did he preach? What did he preach? What did he preach? Why? Because you don't have to understand the whole Bible to understand the foundational message of the Bible, which is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And if you get that, you can get it all. Amen? Look at our fourth sticking point today. This is where I say most people... Arab Alabama are. This is where I see more people get stuck than anywhere else. They get stuck right here. I do believe isn't that enough? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross and I believe He rose again on the third day. Isn't that all I need to do, Pastor Keith, is just believe that Jesus is who He says He is? No. Because what has happened at this sticky point, this happens over and over again. We allow intellectual understanding to take the place of a real heart change. Jesus said you must be born again. There has to be a supernatural spiritual transformation that takes place in the heart and the life of a person for you to be saved. Let me give you two scriptures. We're going to explain this. Two scriptures. James chapter 2. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, look at that, and they tremble in terror. Let me give you a truth today. This is true, 100% true. Every demon in hell, every demon in hell believes that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe He died on the cross. They believe He rose again on the third day. They believe He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Every demon in hell believes that. Are they saved? No. Are they going to heaven? No. 
every demon in hell believed. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was casting out demons, they were the only people that knew who he was. You remember that? They'd say, Thou art the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And he would say, Be silent. They believe that he is who he says he is. So what's the kicker? Let's look at our next verse. First, or John chapter 1. But as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So let me lay this out for you. Look at our last point on your outline. How do we get unstuck? Here it is. We have to, number one, believe that Jesus is. Who is he? He is who he says he is. The way, the truth, and the life. The only way you can be saved. The only way you can go to heaven. The only way your heart and life can forever be changed. He is who he says he is. Number two, you have to receive. See, that's the separation. The demons believe, but the demons haven't received him as Lord and Savior. We have to receive two things. I put on here two things. We have to receive his forgiveness. Why is that important? Because in order for you to receive forgiveness, you've got to acknowledge that your way is not the right way. That you're in sin. That your life is leading you down a dead-end street that's going to keep you separated from God. And there's this little thing called pride that wants to keep us from receiving his forgiveness because we're not willing to acknowledge our sin. I mean, think about it in your marriage. How many fights have you had in your marriage that could have been ended quickly if somebody would have been mature enough just to say, I'm sorry? Well, I ain't saying I'm sorry. It ain't my fault. You know what that's called? Pride. And you know what pride does? It causes us to refuse. We know we're messed up. We just don't want to admit it to anybody. And so in order to receive him and receive his forgiveness, you have to acknowledge your sin because you can't be forgiven of any sin you're not willing to acknowledge. And then you have to receive him as Lord. Right? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is what? Jesus is Lord. we got to receive him as Lord of our lives. It's not enough for me to believe. I have to receive his forgiveness by acknowledging my sin, and I have to receive his lordship over my life. He is my Lord and Master. I'm going to let him lead me and guide me and tell me what to do and how to live my life. My life is no longer my own. I am no longer in control. I don't have a vote. God never asked me, well, Keith, what do you think? This is what we're going to do. This is the path we're going to take. This is the life we're going to live. And guess what happens? When you receive, then we become children of God. We become His children because we believe and we receive. And today you can do that. I want to ask everybody just to remain seated, but let's just bow our heads for just a moment. We're going to dismiss you here in about three minutes. Just bow your heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're stuck. Maybe you're spiritually stuck. Maybe you're on the outside looking in. And maybe you realize as we've walked through these sticking points today, you could find yourself maybe a little bit in each of them. But if you find yourself in that last sticking point, number four, you find yourself and you realize that you have believed, you have intellectually acknowledged Jesus, but you've never heartfelt been changed by Jesus. You've never really received his forgiveness and received his lordship over your life. 
and you're serving God out of your head instead of serving God out of your heart. I'm just going to tell you, head service is hard. You're going to wear yourself out because you're going to try to serve God in your own strength. And I'm just going to tell you right now, your own strength is not enough because what God has called you to do is live a supernatural life. And you can't do that apart from the indwelling, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And that only happens when you're born again. Remember, I've said this several times here recently. Jesus did not die to make bad people good people. Jesus died to make dead people come alive. To make dead people come alive. And if you're here today and you know, you can say without a doubt, Pastor Keith, I know I'm dead on the inside. I've intellectually acknowledged Jesus, but my heart has never been changed. I want you to do something bold today. I want you just to stand up right where you're at. All over this building, just stand up. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm willing to acknowledge my sin today. I'm willing to acknowledge I've lived life my way. But today I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I want to not just believe, I want to receive His forgiveness and His Lordship. Right now, a simple act of faith, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to stand in faith. God bless those that are standing. I'm going to stand in faith today. And I want to receive Jesus. For those of you that are standing, our ushers are going to come put something in your hand. We want you to take it home. We're going to help you walk this thing out. But I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. God bless every person that's standing right now. I believe, but today I want to receive. I want God to change me from the inside out. I want God to change me from the inside out. I need an inside-out transformation. I need God to do something inside me that I can't do for myself. And I'm willing to acknowledge that I've sinned and I've lived life my way, but today I'm going to make Jesus my Lord. Right now, I want to give you about three more seconds if you want to stand. I'm going to pray with these that are standing. If you want to stand right now, you stand up. I want to receive Jesus. I need more than head knowledge. I need a heart transformation. People are continuing to stand. This is your moment right now. Don't miss it. This is your moment. Don't miss it. If you're standing up, I want you to look up front right here at me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, except for those standing. I want you to look at me today. God sees your heart. Your simple act right now is an act of faith, and we're going to pray a prayer together, okay? And right now, I believe with all my heart you're going to receive. You're going to receive His forgiveness. You're going to receive His presence. You're going to receive His power. You're going to begin to live your life from a whole new level, out of your head, now out of your heart. God's going to work from the inside out. Let's just pray this prayer together. I want everybody to pray it with me, those that are standing specifically. Let's say it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe and I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I receive your Lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of praise this morning. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated if you stood this morning. We want to say that we love you. The packet that was put in your hand is there to equip you. We want to walk with you through this journey. We want to take those next steps with you and help you grow in your relationship with God. We love you very much. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.